Hey, it's Alex from The Diz His. We have another two-parter for you. So enjoy episode one of us talking with the comic book artist, Alex Saviak. Please stand clear of the doors. Hey guys, on the monorail. Sorry I'm late. Diz biz. Kind of, but it doesn't feel right. Uh, My vote's for diz shiz, but I kind of feel dirty for saying that. Diz fizz? What is this, a rhyming game? What's going on here? No, we're trying to figure out what to call ourselves when there's no history, just an interview. So kind of like my virtual spotlights, I've done a bunch of them. Do you guys not, like, watch them? Uh, yeah, I only care about the ones that I'm in. Welcome to episode 143 of the Diz His Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Alex. I'm Chris. Today we have Marvel artist Alex Saviak joining us. How are you doing today, Alex? Actually, I'm doing pretty good. I've uh, got a good night's sleep. Got quite a bit of work done today. I'm actually more so studio cleanup than anything else because I, I get a little claustrophobic in here, as I had mentioned earlier, because I just have too many friends just kind of looking in on me all day long. <laughs> yes, and for those who are listening, you have a, I don't even know how many figurines you have back there. Okay, well, I'll uh, but- tell you, when we, when we moved from Port Orange to Ormond Beach, okay, we had a, I didn't put any of these things on any kind of a moving truck. We packaged everything between Jody and my wife and my kids, everybody who was home was helping me package these things back into the original boxes. And we just took drives back and forth, back and forth. And we took inventory. And at the time, a year ago, I had four, about 425 full-figure statues wow. and probably about 100 busts. Wow. So mostly Bowen, Kota Bukia. Out of that, Out of that, I think I have about a dozen or maybe 13 or 14 of the sideshow giant ones, you know, like the premium formats. But mostly the six scale. Um, now... The statues are just getting to be so detailed because everybody's using 3D printers, as, as I'm sure you're aware. But the thing is, is they're making these tiny one-tenth scale ones, which means they're only about seven inches tall, but they give you a big base. So it looks like you got something large, but it really isn't. And I find that kind of a, I find that to be annoying. I've got some seven-inch statues here that don't look that bad, but they're only seven inches tall. And I don't know, not for me. So anyway... If your studio catches on fire and you, you only carry <laughs> two of these statues, which two are you grabbing? It's a great question. Right now? Question. Wow. I guess I'd have to think, how close are the flames and which ones are closest to me? <laughs> oh, you <laughs> took a nap. You were, you, were, you were sleeping and you woke up and you're almost engulfed. Oh, well, I, I sleep all the way on the other side of the house. So I would have to take <laughs> two of the ones that are in the bedroom. Um, couldn't even get to the piano because I got a couple of big monsters on there. I couldn't carry those anyway, so I'd have to say sayonara. <laughs> but, you know, there's a, well, even if I just looked in here, I'd have to say there's uh oh, I got some real nice ones. <laughs> Don't ask me that question. <laughs> I could see that you have really nice ones. Yeah, there's quite a few things here. Um, actually, I started, the funny thing is, is that I, with the statue collection, I never really, I never really bought stuff for myself, but it just seemed that it, at the time when everybody used to give everybody Christmas gifts, and now we just have that that grab bag thing where you just pick a name out of a hat, and that's who you buy for. Yeah. Like, it's called the Secret Santa. Yep. So now, in the old days, people used to just buy for everybody. So they kind of tried to, I guess you get to that point where, well, what are you going to buy for this one? What are you going to buy for that? So people started buying me superhero statues. And I would go, oh, wow, this is cool. And I start off with, you know, some Batman stuff, Green Lantern, which I started drawing ages ago, uh, Flash, Spider-Man. And so I, I used to have a piano. I have the piano here. But at the time, I just started putting everything on the piano just to display it. So it looked kind of neat. And then a couple of them ended up on a bookshelf or two. I guess I started looking at these statues on eBay because my brother and my brother-in-law and a friend would go, Hey, you know, we saw that you got some statues. You should check out eBay. They got some really cool stuff. And so every day, like every hour, I'm on eBay looking and going, wow, this is neat. This is cool. And actually what I started to do was um, if the stuff was cheap, I mean, you buy it 25, 30 bucks. 
And those are the, those were usually the busts. That's how I started. Now those same busts are going for like 135 bucks. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And um, but as the prices went up, if it got over 100 bucks or 150, I'd get in touch with the guy and say, "Hey, would you like to trade for like a sketch or a piece of artwork or something?" And <laughs> they would be agreeable to that. So I would say like at least 25 or 30 percent of my collection. I got from trading stuff. That's amazing. It was kind of neat because there's one statue I have here. One of the first ones that I traded for was this Doctor Strange by Randy Bowen. And it's a beautiful piece. And um, I remember getting in touch with the guy because he wanted, I think, buy it, uh, buy it now of $600 for an opening bid five. And so I said, asked him, hey, you know, would you be interested in like artwork? And he goes, oh, Mr. Savick, I'm so glad you got in touch. I'm a big fan. And I got... I got some sketches and some artwork of yours on my wall already. And I'd love to do some more oh, business wow. with you. I'm thinking, oh, wow, what a, what a deal. So I scanned a couple of things and sent it over to him, not knowing that I'm completely going against eBay's policy Okay, <laughs> until later on. I think maybe they I think eventually they kind of cracked down on me because I was trying to send email addresses and all this <laughs> stuff. Yeah, just get in touch with me. And eBay's going, wait a second. They're going to be doing deal, deal, dealing without us, and we're not going to get a commission. So at any rate, I had after a while, I had to kind of tone that down. But I did manage to, you know, trade the guy a piece of artwork um, for this Doctor Strange statue, and you know that was the first one, and I didn't stop after that. It just kept going with that. That's awesome. So, so that's cool. That and then of cool. course, yeah, I have to buy them, and then it's the type of thing where. You know, my wife would say, well, what can I get you for Christmas? Well, there is this statue that I saw. That's really cool. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it just it just kind of like, wow, it exploded. But yeah, here, cool. when we got into this house, this new house, I thought I had extra shelving put up and I thought I was going. Somehow my math was wrong. OK, I tried to add up all the shelving space I had in my old house and then added up all the shelving space that I had in the new house. And I was up. 18 feet in the new house. You know what 18 feet can hold? Well, I must have been my math was off because it wasn't even eight feet by the time I got done putting everything oh, out. Wow. So uh, eh, what are you going to do? I still have a lot of stuff that I haven't put out and it's still in my garage. So, and as they say, well, if you haven't seen it or displayed it, you don't miss it. So maybe it would be a good idea to start selling some stuff. So, so Alex, I just offered somebody, I, when you were talking, I, I, I found a Thor on eBay. And it was really nice. He was asking $450. I offered the guy uh, an original sketch from me and I got a very angrily uh, written letter back in response. So it, it only works if you are a renowned comic book artist, I guess. Well, I usually send them like covers that I did for Marvel and DC and stuff like that so that they, you know, that they uh, <laughs> that they know who I am. So, I mean, Can you tell twice. Twice in my entire life, somebody wrote to me and said, well, how do I know it's really Yeah, good? really. Are you giving me a certificate of authenticity? Yeah. yeah. I said, well, you know what? It's me because I say so. And if you don't <laughs> like that, well, then we don't do business. That's perfectly okay if you, you know, if you're getting, if you're a little leery, maybe you've gotten burned in the past. So yeah, I completely understand. I bet you but made was, some was, people's days though. That like, what, was, what a cool, what a cool surprise. Yeah. I mean, I was at a convention in January, um, like a yeah weekend show. And uh, this buddy of mine um, was there and he was actually selling certificates of authenticity for 10 bucks with whatever people, you know, were buying because, you know, you're kind of guaranteeing that this is who you are and your signature. Nine times out of 10 with me, people, you know, if they buy something from me or if they get a signature or something, they go, hey, can I take a picture as you're signing it? Sure. You know, but unless you imprint my name on that picture, I mean, I could be anybody, you know, but hey, yeah. whatever they want to do. But I don't you know, I'm not charging for anybody to take my picture, but sometimes I should because I keep get going up and down and up and down. You go to Europe. <laughs> I was in Spain or Mexico, whatever you sit down. The next guy comes over. Hey, can I take a picture? Yeah, of course. You get up, sit down. Hey, can I take a picture? After a while, my lower back was killing me so much. I, I, I didn't sit down. Somebody came up to me and said, hey, how come you're standing? How come you don't sit down? I said, because I can't sit down. I keep getting up. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, hey, can I take a picture with you? Yeah, sure. Come on. <laughs> so, it, it gets a little out of hand. You know, there's nothing better than smelling that Disney smell. If it's walking into your favorite Disney resort or entering your favorite Disney attraction. 
Three Cheeky Chicks Wax Company offers an array of Disney-inspired scents in their home fragrance line, wax melts, scented candles, and room sprays. To bring your favorite Disney scents to your home, check them out at magicallyscented.com. Check us out streaming on award-winning Disney streaming site Sorcerer Radio on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time or catch us again at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Sorcerer Radio is an amazing 24-7 Disney radio. Just visit srsounds.com or download the Sorcerer Radio app. So can you tell us a little little bit about yourself and some of your work experience? Okay, well, put it this way. I've been in business now. Uh, professionally speaking, since May of 1977. So it's wow, going wow. on 45 years. And my uh, initially I went, uh, I went to college to, be pre, to go pre-med, but that didn't work out. And I ended up going to art school in New York City. And then from there, I put my portfolio together. And um, I just have created my own little magazine because I couldn't get into the comic book business. And, but I wanted to get my work out. And so I uh, sent it out all over the place. Uh, there was this one distributor who uh, on the East Coast who bought like 500 of my copies of my book and had them on his table and stuff at, at the next local convention in New York City when I lived on Long Island. And um, I asked him, hey, how's it doing? He goes, hey, it's, it's you know, people are interested. And then within a half an hour, I got paged back to the table. And the president of DC Comics was flipping through my, my comic that I had put wow. together asked me if I was working and I said, no. And he asked me if I'd like to work for them. So that's how I got into DC comics. And, um, within, they first had me like sort of do a, like trial run stories, like a little mystery story, a little war story, a science fiction story. And then I got a big break to draw green lantern and the flash. So I was doing that for a while. And then Superman and then, um, Superman, Marvel always outsold DC. And so it got to the point where I was working on Superman books and I guess I, you know, it was November of 1985 where myself and three or four or five other guys that were working on Superman got invited for a lunch with the big wigs of DC. And we said, wow, they want to take us out to lunch. This is cool. Me being naive thinking, oh man, they're going to can us. So yeah, we better get ready. But no, they were just, they were just telling us that, yeah, Superman sales are really way down. They need to get some new blood, but we'll have work not to worry. So when I turned in my last Superman story in February of 86, they um, they didn't have any work for me. And so I immediately called up John Romita Sr., who was one of the guys who, you know, got to Marvel in 1965. And he followed Steve Ditko drawing Spider-Man. And a lot of people, even though they will associate Steve Ditko as being the creator of Spider-Man, uh, just John's, John Romita's style was more glamorous. And I basically... Uh, you know, I gravitated toward that style rather than towards Ditko style. And so, and he lived in the town next to mine on Long Island, and I was going to high school with his kids. So eventually it was like, I got to meet the, the oldest of the two boys, and the, the guy said, hey, excuse me, I see that you draw light comics. You know, my father's John Romita. I said, yeah, I know. He goes, well, you want to meet him? I said, sure. He goes, well, why didn't you ask sooner? Why didn't you ask, you know, sooner? I said, well, I didn't want to impose, but at any rate, I went over there, met the guy, you know, he gave me some pointers. Um, and so we just had sort of a casual relationship. But now when business is business, I mean, I'm married. I have a, you know, I got a kid four years old and I called him up and said, hey, listen, I got nothing here at Marvel. Do you have any stuff there? And he goes, yeah, come on over. We got fill in. We need fill ins all the time. You can make a living doing fill ins because our guys are perennially late. So I went <laughs> over, started doing fill ins and then eventually filled in on some Spider-Man stuff and then ended up making a career out of Spider-Man Wow! Uh, between the comics. Uh, then when actually I, I was at Marvel per se for 10 years, and then some of the Spider-Man titles that I was working on got canceled. Um, well, see, the thing is the difference between Marvel and DC, DC would cancel a book when it got to be like 70,000 or 60,000 in sales, whereas Marvel their break-even point was 100,000. So if you got to like 110, you were on the fence. So if the book got to be on the fence and wasn't really making money per se, they would cancel it. So that's what happened to me. My books got canceled and then there was nothing left. But I got a phone call from one of the editors and asking me if I'd be interested in working on the Spider-Man newspaper strip with Stan Lee. And I said, sure. So that was 1997. 
And um, I worked with Stan for 22 years on that strip. And if he wouldn't have passed away in November of 2018, and now would be on the brink of, of being 99 years old, I'd still be working on that strip, I'm sure. Because uh, that was a great, a really great gig. And now lately, uh, I've managed to, I started working on Spider-Man in 1987. And I've drawn Spider-Man pretty much every year up until, you know, it gets, now it's like in jeopardy, like, what am I going to do? But I just got a, a variant cover from Marvel to do featuring, uh, you know, Spider-Man also. So that means even if I just do the one gig, I'm keeping the string alive. Oh, nice. You know? so Very that's cool. pretty cool. So how was working with Stan? Um, well, Stan is a perfectionist. Uh, he, I really, I mean, I had conversations with him. You know, even actually when he hired me, um, I had to send him some samples of my work. And uh, those were the days, 1997, when we still had answering machines that had, you know, the cassettes in them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not like just a voicemail, you know, digital thing going on your phone. So I come home once and I click on and there's Stanley goes, Hey, Alex, this is Stanley. I just want to tell you, I love your work. And I'd love it if you could work on the Spider-Man strip with me. Hey, it doesn't pay a lot, but think of the glory. That's what he told me. <laughs> That's super cool. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and over the years, I think he called me the first strip that I drew for him. I got a call from this from the assistant. They said, hey, Stan, um, Stan wasn't happy with what you did. I said, you're kidding. I thought you liked the work. He goes, yeah, but, you know, in Marvel, you didn't get a full script. So when you would work on a full script at DC, you would basically have to block in the lettering so you know how much room you actually have to draw underneath the word balloons. At Marvel, when I worked there, we would just get a paragraph or a five, six page story. And it was up to us to do the pacing wow. over the course of 22 pages on where the page breaks would be. And so you left, you had a lot of creative freedom. Huh. Now with the Spider-Man strip, even though I got a full script, I didn't put the, I got so out of using balloons and, and writing in the, the dialogue in the top of the panel that I didn't leave Stan enough room for the balloons. So I had to kind of redraw it lower things down, then get back into the habit of putting those balloons in. So that was the first time he called me. Other than that, I think maybe he called me once or twice over the 22 years to ask me to change something. But occasionally he would just get in touch with me. I always would think, gee, I know that the adventure strip in newspapers is sort of on the, is pretty much on the way out. So sometimes the assistant would call me up and say, hey, Stan wants to talk. I'm thinking, oh, crap, this is it. Strip's been canceled. I'm toast. No more steady money. Stan would get on the phone and he would just let me know, how come you're not working for Marvel? I'll go call up, you know, this guy, Joe Casada, who was the uh, editor-in-chief. Tell him I sent you. I said, okay, Stan, no, no problem. I would end up doing that two, maybe three times over the course of those years. And um, the fact is, is that, well, you know, I didn't get any more work from Marvel because they were just stylistically looking for something else. So... My generation of guys, except for a few that you can count on your hand, are pretty much considered dinosaurs in the industry. You know, uh, I do have a following in Europe because in Europe, they still like the old styles better than they like the new styles. Interesting. The new styles to them remind them too much of video games and, you know, manga and anime and all that other kind of stuff. Uh -huh. And so they kind of like, you know, the way I drew stuff, the way. You know, if you have, I don't know if you live in the Daytona Beach area, but we do get the uh, Phantom in the Daytona News Journal. And uh, so that's still drawn in, let's say, an old style. I work on the Phantom also for a Swedish company, and um, they love that old style. So I have no problems working for them. Um, subsequently, also, the Phantom is big in Australia and New Zealand. So mm. the style is very effective down there. And so I feel at this point in my life and in my career, I don't have to change anything for anybody. I mean, if I want to make an, a, a change and, you know, do something a little bit different just to get my jollies off or I think it's kind of cool, well, I'll do it. But for the most part, um, you know, if you, pay my, if you pay me a check, I'm going to do what you want me to do because that's, it's not fine art. It's a, you know, we're working for a deadline. We're working. It's a professional situation. 
You know, if I want to be a starving artist and I want to hang out in Soho in New York and draw whatever the hell I want and then live on a street corner someplace and have some guy go, wow, you're really good, man. We got to do a show. And, you know, so that's not me. I, that's not happening, you know. So anyway, but uh, Stan, um, there, well, there was one time I remember Stan, as I had given you, uh, you know, the, the impersonation of him, uh, he always was up. But this one time when I called him up on a Monday and he got on the phone and I didn't recognize his voice, I said, Stan, is that you? He goes, yeah, Alex, what's the matter? And I said, God, you sound so tired. He goes, oh, he says, I don't know. He says, just I want to say no to these people. But, geez, then, uh, you know, I give them some outrageous number just to kind of shut them up. But then they would meet the number. So then I got to do it. Well, gee, I'm sorry. <laughs> but at any rate, uh you know, it got to the point where I think, you know, Stan was probably getting 100000 or 150000 just for an appearance. Wow. Um, I mean, just even at the comic book conventions, when he wow. would show up, um, since they were paying him upfront money, you know, he had to charge 100 or 125 bucks for an autograph. And he had people coming there with five, six things to sign yeah. and then take wow. a picture. And it was, you know, out the door at every convention. And now, obviously... Since 2018, you can't do that anymore. So um, it just so happens that whenever the Spider-Man newspaper strip Sundays would be uh, returned to the artists, and for every five strips that we would do together, I would get back two, the anchor would get back two, Stan would keep one. Stan would always sign it when he returned it. So actually, I would sign it first when I pencil it, then the anchor would sign it next, and then Stan would sign it, and we'd get back our returns. So those those pages automatically have, you know, three creative signatures on them, which makes them very appealing. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. So were there any artists or comic books that inspired you to really take that leap of faith into drawing, you know, comic book art? And when you started to get involved in more of that field, was there any, um, in, did you draw inspiration from any artists in particular while drawing your different characters? Oh, yeah, there was, uh, you know. Gosh, as a little kid, there were certain artists that whose style I liked, even if I didn't know their names, because they were really they were really stingy about leaving credits in the comics in those days. But as you grew up and you did find out, let's say, you know, with, uh, you know, over at Green, Green Lantern was drawn by Gil Kane uh, and, uh, you know, either Gil Kane and Joe Giella or Gil Kane and Murphy Anderson. And I never understood what the relationship was, but. I always figured, well, maybe Gil Kane draws the people and the other guys draw everything else. Uh, little did I know that Gil Kane drew the stuff in pencil and the other guys did the stuff in ink. Uh, but either way, Gil Kane was one of my favorite guys. So actually, when I got to D.C. and one of my first big gig was drawing Green Lantern, um, you know, the editor said, so what makes you think you can draw Green Lantern? I said, well, I'm a big fan. I said, I'm a big fan of Gil Kane, who's drawing Green Lantern since... I said, since, he, since you had him draw him way the heck back when. And uh, he goes, well, just draw me up a couple of, you know, poses. I want to see how you would draw him in your style. So I, I did, went home and did that over a couple of days and came back. Actually, I did it the same day, but I didn't want to, you know, like be too eager. So I came back two <laughs> days later, make him make them feel like, wow, he really spent a lot of time on this stuff. Okay. Um, and so he looked at it. He took it from me and he says, well, go get yourself a cup of coffee. I'm going to look at this stuff. And then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll speak to you in a little bit. And so I had my coffee and I got to meet a couple of, you know, artists and whatever in the bullpen area. And uh, I got called back into the editor's office and he goes, okay, so here's your, here's your first script by Denny O'Neill. And it involves wow. this, that, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is so cool. So I got wow. my first script that way. And I ended up again, uh, I was doing fill-ins on Green Lantern for, uh, like four issues. And then um, I ended up becoming the regular guy for a year and a half. Amazing. And then while I was doing That's that, amazing. I started also, they also, they also wanted me to draw the flash. So now I was drawing two books in a month and I, wow, I just, it was going crazy. It was so much work, but I mean, it was fun, but wow, it's just too much to put, you know, some guys can draw, you know, three books a month. Some guys can draw two books a month without batting an eyelash. And for me, it was just a lot of work. I was more of a one book per month type of guy. And that made it, you know, that was good enough for me. Um, but, you know, the editor on The Flash was one of my favorite artists growing up. 
he became decided he wanted to stop freelancing and he became an editor. So he gave me, he was a mentor. He gave me a ton of pointers and things that I still use in my artwork today, uh, just as far as inspiration. Uh, and there were a number of people, number of artists growing up in my generation. There's those guys. And then now the, the younger guys look at guys even past me uh, in terms of who their heroes are. And it's just, it's like that generational thing. You know, so yeah. the, the guys that are drawing comics now, you got the little kids looking at their artwork and those guys becoming their heroes. And oddly enough, I've had kids, you know, young, young people come up to me and say, hey, you know, like, you know, your Green Lantern or your Spider-Man was the first one I ever got. It inspired me to do this and that and the other oh. thing. And hey, man. Like, you know, it's they so keep cool. calling me Mr. Savio. Makes me feel really old. <laughs> I just call me Alex, okay? I mean, you know, Mr. Savio was my dad. I mean, you know, just... <laughs> but, you know, thankfully, this is the kind of an industry that, uh, you know, kind of just because by way of the fact that just keeps you young mentally. You know, you're just yeah, you're creating, sure. your, you know, you're doing superheroes, you're doing this, that, and the other thing. Although, when I say that, I do... I mean, I am at that point where since... You know, I tell people, yeah, right now I'm semi-retired. And they said, really? Like, what do you, what does that mean? I said, well, that means I usually don't draw after dinner. <laughs> <laughs> because when you're a freelancer, you got monthly deadlines, you're usually burning the midnight oil. So I don't burn midnight oils anymore. I, <laughs> I get up, reasonable hour, coffee, breakfast, get to work by around 11 o'clock. And we don't usually don't eat dinner till around seven. So once we get to the dinner hour, I mean, I'm done. You know, so this is this is just and this is fun for me. So, you know, I don't want you to think, oh, no, we're making you work. No, this is work. This is, uh, you know, I enjoy this, you know, yeah. just kind of shooting the breeze with some guys that, you know, appreciate art and science fiction and, and you know, all the things that I enjoy, too. Did I answer your question? Okay. Yeah, yes, that was good. Yes, that was awesome. Did. OK. Hey, guys, want to hear something cool? Do you want to be part of the Goof Troop? Our Goof Troop is the best and a way to help support the show. You get access to our wonderful giveaways, Discord chat, and you can join for only $2 a month. In our Discord chat, you can interact with the hosts and some of our great members. There are Disney-themed games in our chat, streams from the park. We have a special Spotify playlist. Overall, we just have a lot of fun. You also get access to our live shows, which can sometimes be a little crazy. Once again, help support the show for as low as $2 a month and join the Goof Troop. Just go to dizhiz.com and on top, there's a link. This is Diz His Review. Review. National Treasure, guys. I absolutely love National Treasure. Uh, it's probably, uh, yeah, I know you guys are going to give me a hard time. It's definitely, I mean, Jungle Cruise. I love those types of movies, like Jungle Cruise, right? I have watched Jungle Cruise like multiple, multiple of times. Standing with National Treasure. It's that whole thing of, you know, it's, just, it's like an adventure type movie. Um, I love Nick Cage in it. I love yes yeah in chat people saying National Treasure is one of, literally one of their favorites. It's one of my favorites too. My son and I watched it. He absolutely loves it. Um, how do you guys? What do you guys think of it, Alex? I've only seen it once, and I probably will never watch it ever what? again. What? What? Are you sure we're talking about the same movie? Yeah, National Treasure. Yeah, I know. I know what it is. I've seen the first one. I've seen the second one. I think I've seen the third one. And you know, There's I saw no thir- which one. Which third one have you seen? Oh, I don't know. I, that's what I say. Maybe I think not talking about the third same one. movie. I don't, I don't even think there is a third one. Is there a third movie that relates back to it? That was no. released in North Korea. It was, oh, it was not. See. It was not. A, I think that was Squid Games. It was non-canon. I mean, it's like I don't know. I mean, I'm not gonna go 180 years searching for it and be three feet away or anything like that. So I'm not worried about it. Like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go watch it again probably ever. And I heard it's coming on the TV show, right? Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't believe it, Alex. Maybe we should give it another watch. You don't like those type of movies? You don't like Indiana Jones? You don't like those movies? I like Indiana Jones. This isn't Indiana Jones. It's very similar. I don't know. In a way. I don't know. I love Nicolas Cage. Not as many Nazis in uh, National Treasure. See, that's probably the downfall. Mm -hmm. Um, The ironic thing about this movie is that it could also be the name of a biopic about Nicolas Cage. I love this movie. (laughs) Uh-huh. I think it's a really, really good movie. It's probably in the uh, top 10 movies probably ever made. What? Um, there's nothing really negative. Top to say. 10 movies ever made? Probably. Really? Um, there's really oh, nothing negative that. to say about the movie. No, it's a really, really good movie. It's really fun. I haven't watched it in years, but um, 
it's it's just such a fun movie it's um it's just being like a like a history nerd it's like seeing them like just douse the uh declaration of independence which which i heard um don't fact check me on this because it's correct i heard it's the real declaration of independence they asked to borrow it from the constitution center in philadelphia yeah i don't don't know yeah and they um and they they really did put water on the back of the uh, Declaration of Independence. They, I don't think so. I think that's false. But hey, Chris, what did you rate in IMDb? Oh, I I can't. It's not fresh in my mind. I only rate the movies when they're but, fresh in my mind. So you don't have a rating for that though. Like after you watched it, you didn't go in your because I'm guessing your I was IMDb probably then. five when I came when I watched it for the first time. <laughs> you haven't watched it since though. I, I I don't know. It was probably like middle school, and I don't think I had the IMDb app on my BlackBerry Curve back then. So well, I didn't know I, how far this IMDb like profile went back, you know. I actually just uh, started my list not too long ago. Okay. Because I used to always go on, not knowing, uh, not just being too stupid to make an account back then. So um, yeah, it is not. But but when it, uh, I will keep you updated. And when I watch it again in the next probably five to ten years, I will give it a rating and let you know. This is a movie I watch once a year. Well, that I mean, you watched Encanto twelve times in one day. So hearing that you watched once a year is actually just isn't even that much. You know, Th- this is. Go I w- ahead. I'm looking up quotes to see, if, like, just to, I was going to throw in quotes as if I've seen the movie, and these quotes are so terrible. They're so first off, they're super long, and then between can we hear one? I mean, have you it's like, like first off, first off I, have like you ridiculous. seen a Nicolas Cage movie before? Yes, they're I love Nicolas with Cage quotes movies. like that. Quotes that are That's terrible that don't make any great. sense. I don't know. I don't know which character is Nicolas Cage. Raleigh Poole? No. Ben Gates? Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> quote, it's like, it's, <laughs> well, one, awesome. one of the shortest ones is, is, Riley, are you crying? He goes, look, stares. Okay, so <laughs> that's probably not a quote. I could it is a quote. Does it make any sense? It's a quote from that the movie. one of the best quotes in the movie, Alex. It's a blue, big hey. bluish green man with a strange looking goatee. I'm guessing that's significant. You wouldn't get it, Alex. You just wouldn't get it, all right? <laughs> so, Joe, do you get it? Th- like, th- there's no. some movies that I watch yearly, right? Like Pirates of the Caribbean, I'll watch the series, you know, yearly, right? Jungle Cruise is going to make make that list. National Treasure 1 and 2 is that they are one of those movies where I'm going to watch yearly with my son and and my and my, and my wife. When are we going to get there? I'm hungry. This car smells weird. Dude, do, what, you saw on these stupid quotes? <laughs> is that a is you know, that a quote from the movie? Do you remember know. that scene? Let's go. That's uh, a top quote, know. by the way. You know, one of my favorite parts of the movie, which I actually do this whenever I need something, uh, a photograph taken of something, and I forget my phone at home, uh-huh. is when he's speeding through the red light cam, and he puts <laughs> oh, the, the thing up for it to take a picture. So whenever I forget my phone at home, I would just speed through a red light cam, get a picture <laughs> of whatever I need, then just hack into the police database to go retrieve. Well, that's in the second one. Thank you. That's in the second one. That's not in the first one. We're not, we didn't, we're not doing the review in the first one. Come on. Oh, you, you didn't specify. One. You didn't specify. <laughs> hey this is aj for the d plus club where we cover all things disney plus each week i bring you the latest news and rumors as well as cover what's new and what's coming soon to the disney streaming service in the us and in the uk and each week we have a weekly movie club where between february 28th and march 6th we'll be returning to our mcu series for ant-man share your thoughts in the weekly movie club room in the sorcerer radio discord at srsounds.com forward slash discord and I'll feature some of your comments in this week's podcast. You can find the D Plus Club on all major podcasting platforms with new episodes every Sunday, including now on the new Sorcerer Radio website at srsounds.com forward slash the D Plus Club. See you there. Check us out on Weeby Geeks, a new podcast website where you can find all your favorite geeky content. Just head over to weebygeeksbc.com. That's weebygeeksbc.com and listen to all the other awesome podcasts as well as Diz Is. Uh, I co-designed or I designed this one character that was in the, um, as a matter of fact, you, if you saw the, uh, what was it, that um, Spider-Man Into the Multiverse, mm-hmm. the guy that was hanging out with the Kingpin, Tombstone. Tombstone, I designed yeah. that character back in yeah. 1987. Oh, wow. wow, that's really the writer, cool. The writer, Jerry Conway, sent me a couple of sentences on what he thought he should look like. And so it was me that, you know, interpreted his words visually. And, uh, you know, he said he wanted to have some sort of a buzz cut like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator. And, uh, you know, his teeth were filed down so that they looked kind of that they were pointy. I didn't say anything about his nose being kind of short and turned up. So he looked a little bit skull like that was me throwing my own two cents in there. But they didn't make me change it. 
And so my I designed Tombstone in that sense, which is wow. kind of neat. Very. And so um, at the end of the multiverse movie, I'm thinking, oh, wow, usually they give you credits and stuff, but I didn't get a credit. But then at the same time, right after thinking about that, I said, wow, John Romita Sr., who created the Kingpin, didn't even get a credit in the movie wow. for creating the Kingpin. So if he didn't get a credit, I can't feel too bad. But they did come out with a, a book. You know, you see them in the super, you know, in the supermarkets or in Barnes and Noble, Walmart, you know, Spider-Man into the creation of the multiverse. And in there, they gave you an in-depth look on all the villains and stuff. And they would give us a byline, hey, Tombstone created by Jerry Conway and Alex Savier. So that was kind of neat. To see oh, that that's awesome. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. I have a question piggybacking off of, you know, kind of creating your own character, your creative process. So out of all the projects you've ever worked on or characters that you've created, is there any project or character or comic or cover that you're most proud of? You know, I get asked, I get asked that question so often, like, you know, what's my, basically what's my favorite job. And after doing this for such a long time, it's so difficult to just come up with one. Okay. And uh, so I probably have to, there are certain things where I'd say, well, you know, I guess there's an adage that you try to adhere to as, as an artist when they go, well, what's, what was your best job? And we're supposed to say, well, the last one I did. Okay. Because, you know, with each job that we do is supposedly growing and getting better and better. And yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to think so, but sometimes, you know, you do a job that, well, you kind of do it and there's really not that much in that job that can that you feel like you can express yourself creatively because um, like this story that I'm working on now for the Phantom. I mean, in Sweden, those Phantom stories are generally uh, seven, eight or nine panel pages and, and they have dialogue. And so you end up having to draw really small inside these panels just to move the story along. And after maybe drawing a story where you've got four panels and you can have all this room for action and everything else uh, to have to now be limited to drawing nine panels with dialogue. And I have to put in the dialogue again, more or less quickly for myself and find that in a panel that's six inches high by three inches, two inches wide, I've got basically a two by two by the time the, the dialogue is all in there. So it made, that makes that difficult. But if, if I had to I guess if I look at my DC career, I have to say Green Lantern number 110 was probably one of my favorite projects because it was um, it was the first half of a two part story. But in that first half, I got to deal with the origin of the uh, Golden Age Green Lantern, Alan Scott. I got to take Green Lantern, the two Green Lanterns then to the planet of the Guardians, planet Oa. And I got, they charged their rings on this giant power battery and they had some really cool space, space shots. And there was a lot of room to move in that. And that was probably one of my favorite stories that I worked on at uh, DC. And uh, then, then when it came to the flash, I worked on the flash for, you know, seven ish, seven or eight issues. And unfortunately I had to work on the death of Iris Allen, uh, which, wow. you know, which I guess some people think is a claim to fame, but I was just married about a year at that time. And I felt really bummed out when Barry <laughs> Allen lost his wife. I'm like, God, that sucks. Oh, wow. I can just imagine what, what that must be like if you're married and he was a newlywed and he lost his wife. I mean, so it was, it was very, that was very emotional to have to deal with that storyline. Uh, then with Superman, my first Superman, really good Superman gig was a, in a book called DC presents number 46, where it was Superman and always some other characters. And this was the global guardians. And each one of these guardians had a chapter with Superman. And it was just a lot of fun stuff going on there with sea serpents and Easter Island and all kinds of oh, cool. magical stuff going on. So that was good. And with Spider-Man, well, there were so many milestones, but I'd say one of my favorite issues that I worked on on that in Spider-Man was Web of Spider-Man number 90 which was the 30th anniversary of Spider-Man. And it was a double-sized issue. And it was written by Howard Mackey. And there was a lot of fun stuff going on in that book. Um, and then that was number 90. And then 10 months later, we did web number 100, where I got to design the uh, spider armor for that one issue. Oh, cool. um, and that, that was kind of a favorite story. Um, 
And then after that, uh, well, I did a graphic novel, uh, Parallel Lives, which was 64 pages and basically showed the origin of Spider-Man and Peter Parker and how it how it coincided with Mary Jane and what her life was all about and how they ended up together. And again, because it was a graphic novel, there were a lot of giant panels in there where I could really go crazy. Um, you know, Marvel, again, Marvel Comics was just so much more fun to work on because I was not restricted by panel count and by dialogue. They would give you a hint of what they want to say. In other words, sometimes the splash panel could be the first three pages uh, has Spider-Man swinging over New York. And by the third page, he ends up on the roof of the Daily Bugle. And in between, I have to kind of pace it out with what's going on. And so you're having him swing past certain landmarks in New York City and things like that. Uh, just to make things interesting. And, you know, you can get some giant shots in there, the so-called hero shots. Um, and so uh, I had a fun time with that. And then actually, after I got done with Marvel, uh, I worked on the X-File for 12 issues. Oh, that's cool. Uh, for Topps for Comics. Comics. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, they busted my horns all the time about likenesses for Mulder and Scully because... Uh, the artwork had to go out to 1013 in Hollywood where Chris Carter's boys were looking at the stuff and everybody had a different opinion on what they thought was good and what they thought wasn't that good. And in those days when I was working on that, I didn't have the internet to pull down pictures of Mulder and Scully. I had to just kind of go by magazines yeah. and whatever the reference they sent me, but working on that stuff was fun. Um, so I'd have to say that, uh, yeah, in a nutshell, you know, those are pretty much the things that I really enjoyed working on. Very cool. That was really cool. Yeah, thanks for the question. I wanted to mention something to you. Um, my brother is actually a big Green Lantern fan. Uh, he loves Green Lantern. Okay. And when I was looking up information for you, I did notice you actually created two Green Lantern characters. Um, uh, yes, Arcus Chamuk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I think the other one was, wow, some kind of a weird um, tribunal or something. In, it's, uh, he, I have here Mallet Dasm. Mallet, yeah, that's what I couldn't remember. Mallet Dasm, yeah. <laughs> Very wild. I think they look pretty cool the way you design you uh, design them. One has tentacles, and the one is more of a uh, like an ape. Yes, yeah, like an ape. Yeah, and he had two fangs coming out of the bottom of his mouth. Yeah, I remember it was a three part story with uh, Arcus Chumark, and uh, at the end of part one, they said so. And then basically, when when you found this guy, and you know you you know, and he was dead. Well, well where are his remains? What happened? He goes. Well, I ate them, of course. <laughs> that was pretty much the end of part one, you know. So he basically ate the evidence, which was kind of fun. Uh, yeah, they actually made a toy, an action figure of Arcus Chummer. Oh, oh really? Kind of neat. And wow. he, also, he, he also showed up in some of the animated, you know, TV yes. series. Yeah. Now, is these characters you have busts for or are you still looking for them? I don't have a bust for Arcus and I don't have anything for Maladassim. They haven't made anything on him at all, I don't think. Uh, but there was a toy on Arcus Chumark in a three pack, and DC sent me one of those three packs because I couldn't find it. Cool. <laughs> when did you discover your ability to draw? Oh, I guess ever since I was a little kid, I was always interested. You know, first you start off coloring, and then, you know, um, when I was watching cartoons, somehow I'd watch cartoons and I'd see like Magilla Gorilla and Deputy Dog and. Uh, you know, all these, uh, you know, cartoon animals, and I try to draw them. And then when I was six years old, um, after having seen Superman in black and white on television, my dad brought me home my first comic book. And it was uh, all of a sudden, Superman is in red, blue and yellow. I mean, for a six year old kid, how cool is that? Mm -hmm. Right. So now yeah, I had yeah. to get now I actually read this story It was Superman versus the Black Knight. And um, I kind of did my own book report of that story in six panels and you know drew it out with however whatever i had you know a circle for a head and some squiggles for the hair you know some kind of a clunky body it wasn't stick figure i had some i had some girth to these guys right and so then so i could color them in and uh i just found that that was really fun and then so basically that's what happened once i started realizing wow you know i think it would be really neat to draw my own comics and that's what i started to do when i finished my homework nice every, every night I was drawing stuff and I would, you know, my dad, instead of giving me an allowance, he'd say, wow, I really liked it. Hey, would you sell it to me for a dollar? I'd say, sure. <laughs> you know, so I'd make a buck and that would be like one drawing, you know, of like six pages. And he'd give me $5 for it. And I'd say, wow, cool. So you've been you in the comic more? game for a long time. Excuse me? You've been selling comics for a long time. And to my dad, yeah. <laughs> 
counts. You're still a paid artist. Uh, Yeah. But uh, yeah, and it was the type of thing where I always said, hey, I'm probably just going to do this as a hobby. And I really intended on doing that because when I did end up going to um, college in my first year, actually two and a half years, I was pre-med. I wanted to be a surgeon. Wow. Wow. Surgeon. And um, it, it just didn't it didn't work out. Um, but I ended up going to art school because my best friend's dad was a creative director at JCPenney Advertising in New York City. And he was dealing with fashion illustrators. And he'd say, hey, man, I want to, you know, I'm going to set you up with an interview with, you know, one of my fashion illustrators. Maybe they can point you in the right direction. Maybe you want to do that. These guys make a lot of money. So I had an interview with one of these fashion guys. But wow, it's just not not. It's really something I did not want to do. I didn't couldn't see myself sitting there day in, day in and day out drawing these long, skinny looking dudes and girls, you know, just wearing clothes and stuff, modeling, you know, having the thing flopping in the wind or something. Um, but that kind of set, you know, he said, well, you're talented, but he says, you know, from what I see in your portfolio, you know, you may not want to do fashion. Maybe you want to do comics or, you know, just illustration. So I said, yeah, that's what I think I'm going to do. And I ended up enrolling in the School of Visual Arts in New York City then. Um, and wow. so, yeah, that's where I ended up. Any, oh, one, one, one more question. Have you guys okay. watched Reacher on Prime? No, I have, I have not yet, but I, I I actually was looking forward to it because I did even enjoy. I started reading the first book a while ago and never finished, but I did uh, I did enjoy the Tom Cruise movies. Well, see, the, the one thing about the Tom Cruise movies was they said that he did get to he did nail the character pretty well, but he's only five foot seven. Yeah, and he's Reacher a huge character. Yeah, he's a he's yeah. a behemoth of a guy. That's yeah, and the guy who's played Reacher is the same guy who played. Uh, the whole in the office, the right? Dove in the Titan series. Oh no, I'm thinking about someone different. I'm thinking about uh, someone different. Who is oh. the guy who plays Reacher? I know this who guy's it is. name is Alan Richson. He also, yeah. when when Smallville was on, he actually played Aquaman. Oh, and then, I know uh, who that is. Okay. Yeah, the blonde, tall blonde guy, and he yeah. said even for Reacher, he was in better shape than he was on doing those superhero things where he was just wearing a costume. So, you know, uh, we're sitting here talking about some of your artwork, you know, some of the things that you you have done and our Patreon members who are listening. And I'm sure after, you know, people are listening to this show, uh, they're searching for you. They're searching for you on social media. Right. They see your work on Instagram. And, you know, uh, right now they're saying Instagram, your Instagram is great. And they 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 absolutely just love all the artwork that's on there. And they think it's like really cool. Right. Uh, And I just want to let you know that. You know, whenever you make your posts on social media, I see the artwork that you're posting almost every time. It pretty much makes my day better. You know, oh, if I'm wow, having well, thanks a lot, Joe. It's super cool, that. right? I mean, how awesome that you get to create like all the history that you just talked about today on Green Lantern, on Spider-Man, you know, talking about Stanley, like the art that you have created. I mean, this is like all pretty much almost every little kid's dream out there so i want to i want to draw like you know cartoon characters i want to you know draw comics i want to create you know make art right and you have done that for 45 years is it that you said professionally yeah that, I hate to is, say, you uh, know what i hate, so to, say cool. this. I so hate cool. to say this i am going to be freaking 70 years old in august really you don't look yeah. 70 Nah, you don't. It's kind of a bummer, man. Seventy. <laughs> no, it's kind of a bummer. bummer. Oh yeah, when I see these people come up to me at conventions and, I, and they go, "So how you doing?" I said, "Well, you know, my back's been bothering me and stuff." And the guy goes, "Oh yeah, I'm telling you, my back hurts every day." So how old are you? I'm forty six. I said, "What? Forty six? I was freaking invincible. I could play tennis for eight hours. You know, do all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, come on, forty six. You know, so, are you guys familiar with Rodney Dangerfield? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, it's tough being me. You know, I'm just <laughs> telling you. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So where will you be next? Because I, I always see you at the conventions. Uh, where will you be next? Well, my next show is going to be actually in Philadelphia in the middle of April. Oh, when? When are you going to be there? I live right across the bridge. Oh, okay, Philadelphia. I think it's like the in the the second weekend, like. I don't know, 13, 14, or 12 to 14, somewhere around there. What's the event called? Uh, I, well, it used to be Wizard World, but now there's oh. this company called Fan Expo that okay. bought up all the Wizard World conventions. And so it's going to be Fan Expo Philadelphia. Oh, I'm going to try to stop by then. Cool. Yeah. Do you ever so, go yeah, to Comic-Con, Alex, in uh, New me? York? 
Do you ever go to New York? Comic-Con? Oh yeah. Last, um, the last one that they had was the first one that I just canceled because of, uh, last year because of, you know, COVID. Yeah. It was but pretty, I've been doing um, Comic-Con yeah, since I think the second one that they opened in New York city. Oh, oh wow. great. Doing it every year. Have you watched it grow over the years. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, artist alley by itself is twice as big as some of the smaller conventions that you can go to. Artist Sally is incredible. You'd think, wow, if I'm going to be, I'm going to be among all these people, I'm not going to make a dime, but it's, I'm, I'm amazed every year when I go to Comic-Con or actually any of these big conventions that there are, there are enough younger people that come stop by my table. And I would always ask them, well, how do you know my work? Well, my dad collected, you know, Spider-Man when you were drawing web and, you know, we think the stuff is so cool compared to what the stuff is looking like now. We kind of like that style better. And, so, you know, they'll either buy it, you know, get a print from me or they'll get a, um, you know, uh, they'll have me sign some comics or maybe have me do a, you know, like a convention sketch for them, you know. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. OK, so where do you know your uh, where can we find you on social media so people can, uh, you know, kind of search for you and find well, you, you can just look you. on there just on Facebook. Just go to Alex Savier. Uh, just type that in. You'll find me on Facebook. Uh, go to Instagram. It's the same thing. Um, Alex Savio, pretty much one word. I don't separate them on Instagram. I do know that there's more people on, on Instagram looking at my posts than on Facebook. Because mm-hmm. let's say I've, whatever artwork you might've seen recently, let's say like a Spider-Man and Hobgoblin. And mm-hmm. on, on Instagram, I had, I think I cleared a thousand, something like 1200 on Instagram of people liking the drawing. Whereas on on Facebook, maybe it got to, you know, 400 or 500. Uh, so there's just more people on Instagram looking at that stuff than there are on Facebook. But hey, either way, as long as they see it, that's cool. You know, so at least they know I'm still out there and I'm not dead. Yeah. Because before social media, <laughs> I remember going to conventions after I stopped working on regular comics and people didn't know I was working on the X-Files. People didn't know I started working on the Spider-Man newspaper strip. And they'd see me at a show like, let's say, five years removed from when I was doing comics. And they go, oh, man, so great to see you here. I mean, we kind of thought you died. Said, wow, gee, thanks. Wow, just because you know. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I could have gone maybe into something else like video game design or whatever, but you thought I died. Well, <laughs> so, thanks for slowing me up. As Rodney Dangerfield would say. Yeah. I want to clarify <laughs> so people know when they search you that it's Alex Saviak, S-A-V-I-U-K, right? That's it. Okay. Just to make sure people know if they're searching you, maybe they spell it wrong right. and can't find you. Yeah. I am on Twitter also. My Twitter handle is Al Spider Fan, fan spelled P-H-A-N for Phantom. So if you want to... <laughs> Throw me a tweet. I'm not on Twitter that often, quite honestly. It's usually the other two. Nice. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening to episode 143 with Alex Saviak. I'm Joe. I'm Alex. I'm Chris. And I'm Alex Saviak. Thanks for listening and have a magical week. Please follow us on all social media by searching DizHis65. Share us and subscribe to our podcast to get the latest show when it is available. If you want to help us out, get tips, get your memories shared on the podcast, see pictures and videos of what we are up to at the parks, join our goof troop on Patreon.com and search for DizHis.